Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. So immunology is the study of immune system. That means that I get an infection tomorrow. Um, I don't take antibiotics for that. My body fights that infection. My body has natural cells. Some of them are called natural killer cells. These are cells, not the red blood cells. You might have heard of white blood cells. Yes, sir. In the white blood cells, there are different types of cells that are target specific infections or target specific foreign materials. Welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with Dr. Vijay Trisal, the Chief Medical Officer for City of Hope, which is an NCI-designated comprehensive cancer center in Duarte, California, and an organization that's known worldwide initially for its treatment of tuberculosis, which started all the way back in 1913. In today's episode, I learned about Dr. Tresal's journey from Kashmir all the way to Michigan and then eventually to Duarte, California. He tells us a little bit about heli skiing, cricket, but of course, most importantly, all the great work that's happening at City of Hope, including a billion dollar expansion in Orange County, California. We hope you enjoy today's episode, and if you do, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. You can also learn more about Pop Health Podcast by checking us out at pophealthpodcast.com or finding us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks, folks. Enjoy the show. So, Vijay, tell us something about you that might surprise the audience, maybe even surprise some of your coworkers here at City of Hope. Okay, so a couple of things I can think of. One is... Um, Heli skiing. Have you, have you heard of heli skiing? No. What is that? So in Kashmir, I grew up in Kashmir. So Kashmir is this beautiful place that people call the Switzerland of Asia. It is this lovely valley in the middle of the Himalayan range. So think of the Himalayan range as a wash basin. And okay. in the middle of it is this lovely lake called the Dal Lake. And it's, it's a beautiful place where when I grew up, people would um, come to ski. They would even come to ski from Scandinavia. They would come to ski from the Alps and say, why are these people coming to Kashmir? And one of the beauties was that you could heli-ski at a very cheap rate in Kashmir. So they would, a helicopter would pick you up and they would drop you on top of this soft snow and you would ski down on the soft snow. And if you were alive at the bottom of it, they would pick you back up. And Initially, when I learned skiing at a very young age in Kashmir, there was a place called Gulmarg, a very, very beautiful place, and now desecrated. Kashmir is just because of bad political decisions uh-huh. and, and a lot of the strife going on there. Uh, it pains me to, to talk about um, where it is now, but when I was there and when we were heli skiing, it was one of the most beautiful places, most beautiful sites that you will ever see. And I don't think many people would know about heli-skiing, number one. Number two, that people would come from the Alps to heli-ski in Kashmir. And those were my earliest memories of Kashmir. So people wouldn't know about that. Wow. The the other thing that I think people will find um, boring. 
Oh, well, maybe they'll we don't find want this on the show if it's the, boring. The, the, well, well, listen to this first. Okay. So, so well, they would find it boring because whenever they hear about cricket, they think of croquet as some oh, yeah. some person with a suit pushing a ball through. But cricket is one of the passions that I grew up with. And it's a game that is now played um, by lot more people than basketball and football and baseball is the most common sport in the world if you take football you know, soccer yes we call that football in, in our world um, in my past world but cricket is the second most popular game in the world and I played cricket I played semi-professional cricket for about three years in my life and those were the most formative years of my life so I still kind of when I have to think loud I have to have a cricket bat in my hand and swirl <laughs> it and um, when I have to release all the uh, all the energy on the field so we still play a lot of cricket in southern california where is there a cricket league or where where do people play a huge league gavin you okay. i'll have to invite you there's a lovely grounds in uh, van nice okay near the balboa park and these are grounds where you have laid turf so you have imported turf from australia laid it down because it has to have a certain bounce a certain thickness a certain gravel and there are the main league has four divisions. Each division has 12 teams on its um, uh, in the division. And uh, each, each team has sometimes even up to 100 people in them. So it's a whole diaspora from India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Australia, South Africa, Caribbean. And we play in Division One. Um, and and compete with some of the toughest people that come from that come from Caribbean who play Division One league there. So you're still active today. I, I don't know how 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 long I'll survive in that <laughs> Division One, but I'm still active, still going strong. Awesome! I would be very interested in checking it out. Maybe taking my kids uh, to see it. Yeah, uh, that come, would be come neat. over. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely uh, take you up on that. Yeah. Um, so you grew up in India. And I noticed uh, on your background that you, uh, you started practicing as a physician uh, in India as well. Growing up, did you always envision yourself working in healthcare, being a doctor or being a surgeon? Or? Not at all. Um, so I'll give you um, my uh, little thought process about this is that I've been lucky throughout. I've never planned for the next step. And don't, don't let... Let your young kids hear that. That's not the way to go. Right. But I, as I said earlier, I wanted to be a cricket player in my life. That was my, my goal was to be a cricket player or fly a plane. And my father said, no, you're not going to be a cricket player. And, and this is what you'll do. You'll become a doctor. So till we start to go to medical school in 12th grade. So till, till 12th grade, I was a very mediocre student. I... All I did was play cricket, do some theater, go jumping off of cliffs in Kashmir. I had no interest in medicine. I um, was a m mediocre student. But as soon as my father, he said, no, this is your ultimatum. You got to pass and get into medical school. And I did well in that. As soon as I got into medical school, I became the top of the class. So it was by dint of hard luck that I was able to get into the specialty that I really loved. Because as soon as I got into medical school, I realized this is fun. This is fantastic. I'm learning so many more new things. And I am interacting with people who are brilliant and learning from them. So I was lucky that I got into the discipline. 
I can tell you, in India, a lot of people push their kids to go into medicine, like my father did, and many of them are misfits. They mm. should not be doing that. They should not be going into medicine. And 10 years, 15 years later, they just become also rands and are not able to really fulfill their potential. So I was lucky. Okay. So, uh, and that was, that was when I went to medical school. After I finished medical school, I really wanted to do internal medicine. So it was not that I wanted to do surgery. I came to this country to study immunology, to study um, basically what's called T-cell immunology. This is a subtype of T-cell immunology. Can you break down for our audience what does that mean exactly, that, that study? Yeah. So immunology is the study of immune system. That means that I get an infection tomorrow. Um, I don't take antibiotics for that. My body fights that infection. My body has natural cells. Some of them are called natural killer cells. These are cells, not the red blood cells. You might have heard of white blood cells. Yes, sir. In the white blood cells, there are different types of cells that are target specific infections or target specific foreign materials. And that's the same immunology that we use, the immunity we use to fight bacteria, same immunity we use to fight cancer. And that study of that immune system that is natural deterrent to infections and cancer is, is immunology. Okay, and when you came over to the United States to become an expert or learn more about immunology, was your plan to then go back to India? Were you thinking maybe I'll stay in the United States? Can you walk us through the eventual transition permanently here to the U.S.? Yeah, so this is the, this is the political historical part that, um, has, um, that has driven a lot of young people out of Kashmir because of the fighting between India, Pakistan, China bordering there. There's a lot of migration from Kashmir. So when I migrated out of Kashmir, India was as foreign a place as any place in, in this. Actually, when I came to America, there was less of a cultural shock for me coming to Michigan than the cultural shock that I experienced going from Kashmir to Delhi. Wow. So when I came here, I don't think it was, I knew that I was not going to be able to go back home because home was Kashmir. Okay. And so the intent was to stay here. We had all our relatives and my parents and our banks and our homes were desecrated. So basically, it was unsafe to go back home. I'll give you the story and, and um, you can understand the gravitas. I remember there was a list of people in the mosque and the list was a hit list oh. that um, was these people need to be eliminated. My father's name was the third on the list. Oh, wow. And the top one and two had already been killed. So when we moved out of Kashmir, it never felt that it is safe to go back home. So when I came to America, it really was for good. Even though leaving back family behind, my sister behind, my parents behind, was the most painful aspect, but this became home, and this, this, this country has opened its arms, has been so welcoming. I have grown here that I can't think of anything else as home now than America, and specifically California. Very good. Well, thanks for that story. So how did you get here to City of Hope? Yeah, so um, I trained in Michigan. I did my surgery residency in Michigan. And then I knew that I needed to do something more to 
be able to super specialize. And two areas that I thought of. Because of my immunology background, I thought maybe I should do transplant. That became because transplant and immunology is so closely connected. If I were to give my organ to my sister, she would reject it unless we could manipulate the immune system, talking about this being foreign to her. Yeah. So I thought maybe I'll go into transplant, but I realized transplant was much more of a technician's job. So what the surgeons did was connect artery to artery, vein to vein, and ureter to ureter to the bladder, and then off they go to somebody else to take care of the immunology. So that didn't attract me. And then tumor immunology and dealing with cancers was much more attractive. So I came here to City of Hope to do a fellowship in cancer surgery. And my intention was to go back to Michigan because my hospital was interested in developing a cancer center there and having me help lead that. But when I came here after uh, two years of fellowship, my wife said, yeah, you can go back. It's going to be a long commute for you. Uh, so she didn't want to. Uh, she, she didn't want to to go, and so I stayed here. And I have been in City of Hope for eighteen plus years now. Very good. Tell us a story about your experience here at City of Hope, or maybe a patient story to help us understand. Yeah. So when I think of what is it that we bring that is different, so I think of this frequently, Gavin, is that if tomorrow the doors of City of Hope closed, how would the community be impacted? And every day I come to a realization that the impact of City of Hope is because of its science, because of the clinical care we deliver, and because of how we deliver it. Not just what we deliver, but how we deliver. I'll give you this example. This is just a couple of weeks back. Um, A young lady came to my clinic. Her name is Tina. So she lives up in Santa Clarita Valley. Somehow she was at home and um, her kids were just going off to school. She had um, 10-year-old twin kids, boys, and she was making lunches and she felt this pain in her tummy. And the pain was kind of sharp pain and went away and she ignored it, sent her kids off, took them to school. And when she came back, the pain intensified and became worse and she went to the ER. So the ER saw her, did a CAT scan, and saw a large mass the size of a, of a small um, grapefruit near her stomach. So sent her off to a surgeon, surgeon operated on her, and took the tumor out. It was connected to the stomach. And when they took it out, there was still some tumor left on the stomach because they're not experts at it. And they went off to a pathologist pathologist said, this is a neuroendocrine tumor. It is a subgroup of cancers. That's what the pathologist called it. And sent her off to a chemotherapy doctor. So the chemotherapy doctor sent her to get a port, which is basically a line through which chemotherapy can be given. And before she, her neighbor said, you know, you should probably get a second opinion. So she landed in our clinic here. And I saw her and I look at the pathology report it was very clear it was not a neuroendocrine tumor. And it was a type of a tumor called a sarcoma. And we sent off the tumor to our specialist site in Arizona, which is called TGEN. They do a whole genome sequencing. So they look at this whole genome and look at each area where there is abnormalities. And from there, they can both tell what type of cancer this is. And they can also tell what type of treatment will work on it. 
So she came here, we did this analysis, found that this is a type of sarcoma where you just need a pill. So not only is it um, a problem of focus, if you are not focusing on what special type of cancer it is and you're getting to the wrong diagnosis, you definitely are not going to get the right treatment. So instead of getting treatment that was going to be not just toxic to her, not just going to add cost to her, it would also delay the actual treatment and then the actual treatment would not work. So here is two or three things I want to focus on. The one is if you talk to the top 10 ADCC cancer centers, which is the Alliance of Dedicated Cancer Centers. Okay, so that was ADC? ADCC. ADCC, okay. So these are 10 top cancer centers here that come together and talk about algorithms, how should patients be treated. When you ask them, how would you make an impact on cancer? They'll tell you three or four things. One is they'll tell you, you got to get the first treatment correct. That's where it makes the big difference. So if your surgery is not done properly, where cells are not removed completely, your chances plummet. Yeah. Okay. Second thing is if you don't have the right diagnosis. The diagnosis is done by pathologists. And if pathologists are not focused on, here is a pathologist that just looks at head and neck cancer. Here's a pathologist that just looks at lung cancer. Here's a pathologist that just looks at melanoma. They don't come to the right conclusion. So when we did this study, Gavin, across the ADCC, we realized that 10% of diagnosis in the community are the wrong diagnosis. And that can go up to one in three. It can go up to 30% in these specialized tumors like sarcoma melanoma. And it's so important to get to the right diagnosis. Yeah. The third piece that becomes important is that you have a treatment that is ahead of its times. So in a tumor like this, if you have a good clinical trial where you know that this clinical trial has a drug that is unique that will target this without toxicity, normally it's not in the FDA approval. People in the community would not be able to get that. So if you are on a clinical trial, you are much more likely to have cures because you are getting this drug ahead of time. So clinical trials become an important piece. The fourth piece which people discount is the supportive care part. How are you educating this patient? How are you able to help them through their financial challenges? How are you able to hold their hand when they have complications or toxicity? How are you able to give that supportive care, pain control piece? That all becomes so much important part of a cancer center which is under one roof, rather than go to the surgeon and then you are going getting another appointment to a medical oncologist getting another appointment. Now it becomes important, I talked to you about what would happen if the doors of City of Hope closed. The two things that become important, one is the, is the importance of learning from each patient. So every patient that comes through the doors of a big cancer center like City of Hope we are not only treating them, but we're learning from them. Take this example of 
Do you know of Amazon, the small company na- named Amazon? Yeah, I get this like these marketing packages from them all the time with yeah. their name on it. Yeah, it's I saw cool it a, a few days back. And so Amazon, if I go buy a book in Amazon, I say, here, I want to read my Ah Mice and Men or something. Suddenly down below, they will say, the people that read this book, read these five, six books. I say, how did they know? How did they know that I will like these books? Similar to that, think of cancer. If we know, if we have the database of thousand sarcomas, and we know that when we saw this sarcoma with this gene mutation, and here are a thousand patients that are in our or other people's databases, that their outcome and survival was better if we treated them with this targeted therapy. That kind of learning from each patient becomes so critical in advancing science. So um, I talked about TGen a little bit. What we are doing with every patient, this is what our leadership and our institution becomes unique in, our, our leadership guides and our institution becomes unique in, is that every tumor goes for this genetic sequencing. So we may not have a treatment right now, but we have the ability to know what the breakpoint of this cancer is. Yes, sir. We have the ability then to manufacture a targeted therapy. So, Gavin, we have three GMP facilities on campus here. GMP stands for Good Manufacturing Practices. Oh, okay. So that means that what comes out of this production line is a human-grade treatment. So one is we can understand the weakness in this gene. Number two, we can manufacture that small molecule or that antibody. And number three, we have a huge network of cancer patients in Southern California. We can quickly put it through a clinical trial and say, does it work? Where does it work? So that if healthcare were on Amazon, we would be very easily able to populate, here are the 10 books that you might like that have a higher chances of cure. And that's what we look at. Great example, DJ. We're going to take a short break. And when we return, um, I want you to share maybe a little bit more about who City of Hope is and how it benefits not just the local community, um, but also the worldwide community. So we'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. All right, folks, welcome back from the break. So Vijay told us a little bit about his background, including heli-skiing, which uh, I'd seen on TV. Uh, It was very exciting. Um, And he's talked a little bit about some cancers and genome sequencing and things like that that City of Hope can do. But Vijay, can you give us maybe just an overview of City of Hope's history and how it's different than a traditional acute care hospital? Yeah. So... Gavin, this is something that if you asked anybody at City of Hope why they are here, they will tell you that the concept of care is in the walls of City of Hope. And where that concept of care came from is a history longer than 100 years. About 1913, when there was nothing here in Duarte, nobody knew of Duarte, we had patients who had significant advanced tuberculosis. So throughout this country and in Los Angeles, people would push away all these patients with tuberculosis. Tuberculosis was a big scourge at that time. And they would just come to the foothills right here. And I I remember this one story that Sam Golter, who was one of the founders of City of Hope, talks about in his book. It's a young 
boy, I, I would say young man, around 20 years old, who comes from the East Coast and came here just for the fresh air because in the East Coast, because of the cold, they would be in the dingy basements. So they come here for the fresh air and they have tuberculosis. So he's walking down and suddenly coughs up liters and liters of blood. What had happened is that the tuberculosis had eroded into his pulmonary artery, which is one of the big blood vessels close to the lung, and he dies. So here is a dead body of a patient who has tuberculosis, who is lying on the ground. And there were some good Samaritans who came together, raised just short of $150. They just collected money from around. And with the intent that they would take care of this young boy to send his body back to his family. And that's what they did. But from there grew this, what was called JCRA, Jewish Consumptive Relief Association, Jewish Consumptive Relief Association, to collect money for tuberculosis patients. And they started two tents right here. So right here were 10 acres of sun-soaked land that was donated by somebody, two tents that were donated by somebody, and in one tent were caregivers, and in the other tent were the patients. And what was, lo and behold, patients started getting better. And they started, uh, you know, improving. The nutrition improved. Somebody took care of them. And it was the care that was the foundation, the bedrock of where we started. And as, as, we, as tuberculosis started getting cured because streptomycin antibiotic came about, and uh, 10 years later now, we said, we've done our job. Let's just close shop. But we realized that there are other life-threatening diseases like diabetes, like cancer that were becoming bigger and bigger problems. And we said, this is our job is not just to take care of a disease, but take care of life-threatening diseases and take care of the patient who has this life-threatening diseases. So as uh, many people know that the impact of City of Hope has not been just in the patients that come here. So around that time, as diabetes started becoming a scourge, our scientists were the first who created recombinant technology. What does that mean? Recombinant technology is a technology where you are taking the gene of a protein. In this case, it was insulin. So you're taking the gene of insulin and putting it into a bacterial cell, and you are making the bacteria produce this insulin. So the insulin, the humulin insulin that people use, is made from recombinant technology that was developed right here at City of Hope. Oh, wow. So for type 2 diabetics? Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. And wow. we now have an initiative of curing type 1 diabetes, which we are really on a war path. Yeah. So our focus is not just on cancer. But at that time, the research that we developed to create this recombinant technology to make insulin that is used in countries that probably have never heard of City of Hope and saving lives across the globe, across the world. So from there, what we realize is that we can make what's called monoclonal antibodies. So monoclonal antibodies are antibodies against cancer. So you're making these targeted, we talked about immunology earlier on, these targets, these, these weapons against the cancer, and you're producing them in the lab. So Dr. Art Riggs, who is one of the phenomenal scientists here, has been here for more than 50 years, was the architect of developing these monoclonal antibodies. You might have heard of drugs like Herceptin, Rituxin, Bevacizumab, or Avastin. 
all those drugs were developed because of the technology developed here and they have they have saved millions and millions of lives across the world because of how they were developed here so from the scientific focus and the the um, the focus on science we grew second thing we grew was a bone marrow transplantation here so so on and on and on yeah very nice i've had family friends treated here um, I live close to City of Hope, so hearing this history is pretty neat, and I didn't realize this hospital in my backyard um, has done all this historically. Um, so you guys here at City of Hope, you are a cancer research center, or what, uh, what comprehensive cancer center. What's like the national designation yeah. for your type of hospital or system? So- the designation is NCI Designated Comprehensive Cancer Center. NCI is the National Cancer Institute. Their job is to look at both advancement and population health. So what they do is they take the cancer centers across this country. There are only about 50 NCI Designated Comprehensive Cancer Centers in this, in this country. What that means is that you have to show that you are focusing and advancing on clinical care, that means taking care of patients with cancer. You are focusing and advancing research, that means you are developing drugs, like like I talked about earlier, and you are able to learn from each patient. So each patient, number one, we're treating, number two, we're learning from. And the third piece is that you are taking care of populations, that you are not just focused on getting patient to your site. And that's one of the things that we have done over the last 15 to 20 years, Gavin, is not expect a patient come 100 miles or 200 miles from across the state or from Lancaster and Bishop and come and get care here. It becomes our responsibility to take our cancer theater I don't know if that's the right word to use, but that's how I look at it, to the patients. 80% of cancers are diagnosed and treated in the community. And I gave you the earlier example of Tina. If we are making a 20% difference in people's cures, think of that. That's a whole lot of difference in a whole lot of patients. And if we are not the ones delivering that care, if we are saying that we are better at getting cures to patients, it becomes our responsibility to give them that care closer to their homes so they don't have to travel, especially at a time when they need to be closer to their loved ones, when they need to be closer to their primary care doctor, when they need to have that social support and family support. So we have now developed, Gavin, we have 32 sites outside of City of Hope that are from Lancaster to Palm Springs to Simi Valley and Thousand Oaks, to Orange County, so that our responsibility of delivering that care closer to home, that we fulfill that. Similar to our responsibility when we had the responsibility of taking care of patients with tuberculosis and diabetes and others. Very good. So I learned recently that you have these 32 sites, um, but right now, which are doing great work, obviously, right now you have one, to my understanding, one uh, NCI-designated hospital, but... You mentioned Orange County. In Irvine, you guys are building almost like, I don't know if replica is the right word, but you're not just building a clinic there. Tell us about what you guys are doing in Irvine. So 
We realize that patients from Orange County come to City of Hope. Patients from Orange County go to other institutions. 20% of patients who have cancer in Orange County leave that county because there is not a specialized place that is close by. And realize, Orange County, we, we in Southern California don't talk about miles, we talk about hours. Yes, sir. So it may be 10 <laughs> miles away, but it can sometimes be an hour away. Yes, sir. And so imagine that difficulty, especially when you're getting treatment. So in Orange County, we want to build, and we have committed a billion dollars to building a cancer hospital there, a cancer center there, that would take care of majority, if not all, of cancers that are diagnosed in Orange County. So we're building a hospital. We are building outpatient cancer center where there will be a surgery center, where those surgeries can be done locally, where there will be radiation oncology, where there will be medical oncology and infusion, where there will be phase one clinical trials, and we can talk about that a little bit, what that means, but also that we can now learn from that patient population. Even the patients that are coming to Duarte can be taken care of locally. What becomes important is that when patients walk through these doors, whether they are in Lancaster or they are in Orange County, that we can promise them, that is, that is my responsibility, to promise them that the care that you will get locally will be the same care that you would get if you came through the doors of Duarte. So it is a much bigger project in Orange County because we realize that unless we can deliver the same care in the hospital, we will not be able to fulfill our promise of that quality of care that we deliver. So that is awesome for Orange County residents. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, for those, I, I don't know, how, do, how does City of Hope get its funding for something like that? Is it, does the federal government say, here's a billion dollars, all yours, or what, what is the undertaking to get that? So this is your money, Gavin. Okay. I'll tell you how this is your money. Okay. Till the mid-1980s, City of Hope did not take a dime from insurance. We were a purely philanthropic organization. We would have patients come in with an insurance card and say, I have endometrial cancer, please charge my insurance. We had no mechanism to do that. Oh, wow. So a lot of our foundation is built on philanthropy. A lot of our foundation, we're a nonprofit organization that puts all the money that comes through our patents, that comes through our philanthropy, that comes through our margin, and putting it back into the system so that it is not, it is the people's money that we're investing back into the care of people. So this billion dollars is is really um, the money that comes from our patents for the recombinant technology that we talked about, for the monoclonal antibodies we talked about. Many of them we get a royalty from, and we kind of stash that away and are now investing back into the communities. Philanthropy becomes a huge component. We would not be who we are, and I'm not talking about just from an economic perspective. You know, the dollars are important. We need to make sure that we can build these and build them to the specifications, to the safety codes, to the needs of the patient. But what is important is the engagement of the people. Every single dollar that is contributed to City of Hope, we have a responsibility to that one person that we are going to use this single dollar 
to further cancer care. This is not, we are rated as the top star in, in Charity Watch because they know that all the money that we get, that there's very little overhead, all of it is invested back into finding cures and speeding up. So uh, our, our leadership, our CEO has four pillars that he talks about. One is focus. That means we're focused on cancer, that we are not focused on uh, the football team. We're not focused on cardiology and orthopedics and babies and trauma. So our focus is on oncology. The other piece that we talk about is connectedness. And connectedness doesn't just mean that we're connected to Orange County and to Lancaster. It means we're connected to the patient who faces these difficulties. How do we understand what they go through? You know, I'm a surgeon. I, I talk to patients in clinic. One of the things I mentioned to them, Gavin, is that I cannot tell you that I know what you're going through. Because unless I am in that chair, on that bed, under that scalpel, I will not understand what you're going through. I know the signs. I know how to get you to, to cure. But that feeling of what you go through becomes so important. So that connectedness becomes important. The third piece is enterprise, that we function as one enterprise and we are not fragmented. And that, that important piece of getting people together to row in the same direction is easier for us because we're just focused on cancer. So that becomes important. So when we go to Orange County, we want to make sure that we promise the quality, that we are focused on cancer, and we speed up that cancer discovery from learning about the tumor and finding the cures. Very good. Well, Vijay, um, there's a lot more I want to talk about, but we don't have much time left in our episode today. So how can folks... So the, the show is mostly intended for healthcare professionals. How can folks refer a patient to City of Hope if they think it's appropriate? Yeah, so I think that two messages I would want to get out to people there is that cancer is a complex disease. Anytime you have a diagnosis of cancer, make sure you get a second opinion. And make sure that you have the experts looking at it. Majority of the times, the cancer treatment can be delivered locally, and that's what we should do. But if we have to get to cures, if we have to give you the best first chance, the example that I gave, you don't want to lose that opportunity to get a cure because the first thing that wasn't done wasn't done properly. So that's one message I would want to give. The second message I want to give to people is that the advancement and the education and the knowledge pace is remarkable. So in the 1930s, if you had asked people, how much time will it take for medical knowledge to double? People would say 50 to 60 years. It would take 50 years for the knowledge to double. If you ask them today, it is three months. Yeah, I'd say 50 days. <laughs> it's about 70 days, actually. Yeah. You are right. Yeah. It's a short period of time. And when you are dealing with 50 different cancers, very difficult for you to keep up with that knowledge doubling. Yeah. And you don't want to wait till that treatment is in the book someplace, which takes six months to a year to get to, to get the treatment that's available for you right now that can change the outcome of the disease. Very good. So if a healthcare professional or the general public is hearing this show, they want to learn more about City of Hope, how do folks get in touch with City of Hope? 
like I said, second opinion becomes critical, second opinion from experts. And it could be City of Hope, it could be other places, but I think City of Hope is one of the best places to, to get a second opinion from. We have a very good website, which is cityofhope.org, or we have a new patient services phone number that is 1-800-826-4673. Thanks, Vijay. And just to clarify and finish the show here, do you guys take insurance today? Yes, we do. So th this is what we realize is that it is so important for us to be able to serve a larger swath of population. The only way we can do that is to be within the insurance system and be part of that. Very good. Well, folks, it's been a joy to be here at City of Hope, which is literally 15 minutes away from my house. So I was joking with, uh, with Zen uh, this morning from City of Hope, who helped organize this. Thank you so much. Shout out to David Trejo as well. David, thanks for also helping organize this. Uh, it's been a joy to be with you guys. VJ um, has been our guest, but the Krenek, can you give us the exact pronunciation of your name in the proper way? Oh, that, that was uh, something that I learned in America that in California, it's surprising how, many, how well we are worse with last names. So my last name would be Trissel, uh, Vijay Trissel. Is, there's this very unique character in the Hindi language. It's called Tr. It's tough for people to understand uh, or say. Similar to when I talk about wine, people say you're whining. You're, you're not, uh, <laughs> our V's are difficult for me to pronounce, but it is Thrissel. Thank you for asking, Gavin. No problem. So again, just want to thank uh, Zen, David, and Vijay here at City of Hope for having us here uh, to learn from you, Vijay. Appreciate it very much. Folks, again, if you want to learn about City of Hope, feel free to contact them at 800-826-4673. Cityofhope.org is their website as well. If you enjoyed today's show and want to learn more about Pop Health Podcast, feel free to check us out at pophealthpodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, again, pophealthpodcast.com. And feel free to leave a review. Uh, reviews help us stay relevant and help us stay top of the charts to be able to get PR departments to allow us to come. <laughs> so thank you very much, VJ, again. Um, great having you as a guest, Dr. VJ Prasal, the Chief Medical Officer at City of Hope. Thanks, folks. Take care.